Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant uh, good afternoon to you. We have a nice, bright, sunny, kind of chilly day, maybe about 60 degrees, chilly for Texas. And uh, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. My name is Patrick Timpone. If you'd like to join the show, if you have questions about gardening, growing some foods, yeah, baby, we've got the guy for you. I think you're going to really like it. He's been at this a very, very long time, and the way the world is these days, I think that growing your own food is could be a very good thing to do. I don't, just don't get me started. <laughs> His name is Robert Couric, and uh, uh, he's here. Hello, Robert. How are you, sir? Nice to have you on the show. Oh, I think you got to unmute yourself. Oops, great. Oh, there you <laughs> great go. to see you. There you go. That working okay. Yeah, nice good. to see you, sir. Robert Couric, he's got a new book uh, that we're going to tell you about uh, called Sustainable Food Gardens. But Robert Couric, you've been at this 1986 and 19 books? Holy cow. Yeah, my first book was in 86. My first landscape maintenance job was 1974. Wow. And uh, I had one of the first... I only knew of one other company that used organic methods in 1974. Huh. Yeah, organic. I mean, who knew from organic, right? I mean, the 74. Yeah. Whole Foods wasn't even yeah. born yet, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so your your real passion now, if I've been, you know, what I can understand reading about your book, I don't have it, but this is a huge book, right? It's like 400 and something pages. Is it the idea that you can incorporate your whole lawn and your garden, landscape, and food? Is that the idea behind it? Well, it's a, similar to my first book in 86 called Edible Landscaping. Hmm. Uh, I kind of invented the genre of edible landscaping back in the 70s. And uh, the idea behind edible landscaping is to have good food production, but a really good-looking landscape so that the hmm. uh, there's not just a huge row of corn stuck in the backyard. <laughs> so do you do this then? Uh, folks do it in their front yard too, Robert, and their backyard? Yes. Really? Yes. It's less likely to be in the front yard, and mm-hmm. some cities forbid it. Uh, so you have to check with your local authorities to see if you can do it in the front yard. Yeah. Uh, people who've been sued by the city. <laughs> have they? For having their no. front yard. Yeah. 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 So when you do in the backyard, just kind of give us an idea of when oh, people would get your book and how so things they do to even get started. So say they have a nice little area out there that's fenced in and, and they have a lawn. And then, you know, how do they start this thing? Well, there's two things to start. Uh, well, three. In my book, I say uh, start ever so small so you get a small area going. And then you slowly expand it so you don't get overwhelmed. And then I say, don't put the vegetables any further than you can throw the kitchen sink. But I realized <laughs> they now have their aluminum and you, uh, and you can throw them too far. <laughs> the idea is you want to be able to harvest easily, preferably at the back door if the kitchen's near the back door. But the people who put the gar- vegetable garden behind the dog house or behind the barn uh, they forget about what's getting ripe 
uh, in 74, there was a big trend in my area to do vegetable gardens. And one place I put it where the woman could see the vegetables from the kitchen sink. And another one, I put it behind the doghouse. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I ate all the food on my, on my lunch breaks <laughs> uh, where the doghouse was. Uh, so that's why now they get rid of the lawn you don't have to do an extensive uh, backbreaking digging it up what you do is you add a little manure if you use manure you put it on the top of the grass Hmm. put down cardboard overlapping the pieces of cardboard four to six inches and then put an attractive mulch or compost is even better on top of the cardboard so you don't see it and after uh, six months, a year at the most, but in Texas with summer rains, it might be as short as six months, all the lawn will be dead and you're ready to go. And you just do that. So it's kind of like, a, it's not really a raised bed, Robert, but it's something like similar. Well, well they another t- name for it is lasagna gardening. Hmm. Uh, the idea of layering lots of different things to build up an area. But um, raised beds usually tend to be much taller or deeper, depending on how you look at it. So that um, uh, I recommend one to two foot high for a raised bed to, so that all the root system can be growing inside the box. Uh-huh. Do we have to concern ourselves with say we're in a city somewhere in Ohio or something, with the, the condition of the dirt underneath the grass. I mean, do we care about that, or is that what the cardboard and the manure and all that's going to do, get that happy? Well, yeah, it won't change it right away. It mm-hmm. takes uh, some time. If you have a heavy clay, it takes a while adding compost and organic matter to uh, get the soil up to a good, what they call tilth, nice and loose and crumbly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the single layer of manure and cardboard helps get rid of the lawn, but it doesn't do a whole lot to loosen up clay soil. Uh-huh. I mean, 19 books. Is there really that much to write about in the world of growing vegetables? 19 books? I mean... Well, it's not... They're not all vegetable. Uh-huh. I wrote in 1993 the... Uh, what is still the classic on drip irrigation ah. so it's the only mm-hmm. only book in print that is a, exclusively for the home gar- gardener uh to uh, do drip irrigation to increase their yields uh, most people don't realize you don't you don't have to use drip just to barely keep things alive during a drought you can actually get 10 20 percent or greater yields using drip irrigation why is that are you just concentrating the water right there where it's happy you're putting the water where the roots are the way i do it is you add little tiny amounts of water every day so that the soil never dries out but it doesn't get wet Mm -hmm. soggy Mm -hmm. and when you do that daily irrigation produces the most amount of yields of all vegetables so is it kind of like the idea of herbs if if they're not over over cared for that they 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 grow more they 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 flourish is that the kind of the idea they they can flourish with certain herbs uh, like thyme and rosemary you can get away with not watering very often and you'll have a more concentrated flavor or smell yeah so they're different than vegetables in that a little bit of abuse in the sense of not watering some will help make a better quality herb Mm -hmm. I'm on rainwater collection out here and in Texas, and uh, we have a raised bed that I was growing vegetables. 
And you know what? I used so much water that I really had to give it up and just go to the farmer's yeah. market because it was like, I just I just couldn't support it. It was just using so much water. Uh, but I didn't, I wasn't doing drip. So, you know, maybe I could try it again with the drip. Yeah, with the drip system, you can cut it back to 30, 40, 50, 60% Whoa. less water. Wow. And there, there was a woman in India, as an example, who used 38% less water using drip, but she got 48% more chilies. Is that right? So, yeah, so you have to learn how to moderate the drip timing and you can actually increase you know, sort of like the minimum is uh 20 percent mm-hmm. almost every study i have in my book it's at least a 20 percent increase in in uh, yields uh-huh. and you can get it set up i guess on timers and all kinds of creative yes. things that keep it really easy for us right? yes yeah well now the the problem with uh tanks is they oftentimes don't have an, very much pressure the drip tubing that I recommend needs 10 PSI, huh. 10 pounds per square inch minimum pressure. And that's something that's up 27 feet. So there is a company, uh, Blue Barrel Systems, that's located in my county, but they work all over the country. Mm-hmm. They have a system, uh, a, car- a piece of hardware that allows a short length of drip irrigation to come on off and on automatically and still water the plants so that's the only source i know of Uh for equipment that can use be used with a tank or Uh barrel yeah so are you really totally kind of hardcore organic or are you kind of yes no maybe with organic well i'm pretty much uh hardcore Uh, the uh when i started in in 74 my clients none of them had mulch it was unheard of to have mulch Hmm. so there was one place that made compost from uh the bedding in a horse i mean yeah horse stable and i used that as a mulch they didn't like the idea at all that i was going to do that but once they saw that the weeds were suppressed they said give me more (laughs) so next thing you know i'm mulching all my clients yard uh, and then I started with using organic fertilizers. Um, it was hard to figure out what to, where to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had one guy who had a little shop, and we could get a blood meal, bone meal, colloidal phosphate, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, big picture, are you always working to to mulch everything to to keep the water needs down? That is that the idea? Where you're not. Yeah, the mulch does a lot of things. One, it can make this, the area look more attractive if you have the right kind of mulch. Mm-hmm. Two, it can suppress weeds if it's thick enough. Three, it does slightly improve the soil as the interface between the compost or mulch meets the soil. It starts to rot and improve the soil quality. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So... Um in general, why are, there's 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 different ideas about just letting the weeds kind of go and just let it happy and you know just get happy. What's what's the difference when you let the weeds there? How does that affect the plants? Well, first, uh, in an edible landscaping sense, mm-hmm. it's ugly. <laughs> no, okay, <laughs> doesn't look as good, uh, but the sometimes they compete for water and nutrients, so it's better 
to kind of isolate the vegetables from weeds. And if you have a, a nice small raised bed, you know, like uh, four by eight or four by 12, you can grow a tremendous amount of food for your household. And that's a fairly easy way to eat an area to weed. And because it's a raised bed, the weeds on the outside of the box aren't aren't much of a problem so unless you, had, you have crabgrass yeah. <laughs> crabgrass or bermuda grass then you got a problem Let, let's just have some fun and say you had a family of four mom and dad two kids and you wanted to grow all your veggies walk us through what kind of how big you would need a, a, a space do you think well that well that's tough Is it? um yeah, it depends on the method. In other words, there's a thing, the method called French intensive biodynamic, mm -hmm. and you might plant your uh, corn six inches apart or less, but you need a lot of fertility in the raised bed or the soil. Uh, other people plant their corn 12 inches apart. Um, so it depends on how dense the planting is, how intensive it is. Uh, it's possible to get if you learn the the very uh, incredibly detailed French dynamic uh, way of gardening, you can grow enough food for four people in less than uh, 100 square feet. But you got to be really good at it. 100 square feet. So we're talking about that's 10 by 10, right? 10 by 10. 10 by 10. Yeah. And what kind of thing? It's not everything. I'm, in yeah. other words, uh, yeah. you got to get chickens if you want to have yeah. uh, <laughs> a barbecue. Yeah. All right. And eggs and eggs and meat and, yeah. and stuff. Um, do you ever let chickens go in the garden or that's dangerous? Well, the chickens need, the chickens, they have us call a chicken tractor. And mm. what it is, it's a, it's the wooden house where they sleep at night yeah. with a wire uh, covering that is not attached to the ground, but sits on the ground. And so you put it in one place and the chickens eat and scratch and scratch and scratch. We gotta get. We gotta take care of the phone. That's right. <laughs> so the so you, they the chickens scratch and scratch, and they dig up all kinds of grubs and pests and you know critters. But they improve the soil by dumping their manure, so mm -hmm. to speak, mm -hmm. and uh, tilling the soil with their feet. You can greatly improve the soil, and you can get rid of weeds. They'll eat up almost everything there, good and bad. So what you do is after you've got a crop that you've harvested, you move the chicken coop to that area and let them eat all the weeds and improve the soil. Let me do. I had chickens for a while. I still have the house out there. And finally, I just got so tired of uh, them dying, you know, in, in combat, you yeah. know, out here because yeah. I wanted to let them run, Robert. And, and uh, so finally, I just gave the last three away. But... I was always thinking that I could compost all of the the chicken droppings there in the in the coop. Can you use those? Do you have to? Can you use those? No, you could. It's much better to definitely compost chicken manure because yeah. it's so concentrated. Yeah. Um, and it's very high in nitrogen, but it can do what people call burning the mm. the roots of plants. So to mix it with other uh, green and brown material like leaves lawn clippings where you don't have a garden in the whole area and other uh, scraps from the garden. You can get a more balanced uh, manure uh, compost that's uh, very fertile. Mm -hmm. What are some of the, 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 the biggest mistakes that home gardeners make 
that uh, if they would have read your stuff, they wouldn't do. <laughs> what do they? What do they? What do they <laughs> right, just do? Right. Just as humans, you know, what are the biggest mistakes we make? Right. Well, one of the things I've seen is they just start too big. Uh-huh. You know, if you if you want to get going, try a bed four feet wide and six or eight feet long, mm-hmm. and work on it. Do it right. Um, then you may not be able to feed your family, but you'll get a lot of fresh produce. Yeah. Uh, the ne- the next thing that people do is they invest enough money. Uh, one of my guidelines for edible landscaping is spend money up front so you can save money down the line Mm -hmm. so i'll give you an example let's say you have a garden that's 20 feet long you might just put one hose bib for water at one end of that lawn but if you spend extra money and put another hose bib at the other end of the lawn uh, you're not dragging hoses all over creation you can have two 10-foot hoses and you'll be able to water everything and you won't have it all coiling around and getting loose and flopping and hitting plants so that mm-hmm. you double the cost of, of uh, irrigation systems, so, but you get a whole lot of time savings and irritation savings, uh, lack of irritation as you go down the years of gardening. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, do you concern or do you uh, make allowances for... Um, chlorine and other stuff in city water to water the garden do you care about that well normally no uh, it depends on how much chlorine they use but basically it's not a, it doesn't seem to affect the plants doesn't and um, it it loses its chlorine pretty quick as a gas uh, there's a little bit of residue but it's minute but if you really want to do it correctly then you pump the water into a tank like you've got mm-hmm. and water from the tank so you can the tank can hold the water to where the chlorine gas is out and you've got uh, uh cleaner water of course the best is rainwater. yeah uh, yeah the, but you have like you say you you have to be able to afford an awful lot of storage to get through the summer uh with tanks yeah we have twenty thousand gallons to 10,000 gallon tanks and I'm single so it's good but I tell you what in Texas there's some times when you're glad you got 20,000 because yes exactly. you know, hey it's it's uh, you know we can go sometimes here six months and say where's the rain you know it'll happen yeah it'll happen yeah well well there are uh, organizations all over the country and one of the big ones is in Texas for what they call cisterns or rainwater catchment yeah 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 yeah, it's, it's real fun. Robert uh, Corick is with us, robertcorick.com. So give us an idea on this on this new book. Now, this baby is 486, wow, color pages, all kinds of pictures, 4,000 entries. Uh, it's only 50 bucks. Uh, is that right? 4,000 entries in the index. In the index. Four, wow. Four, yeah, 4,000. So it's 22-page index. You can really find just about anything in the book. And how do um, folks get it for this price, for the 50 bucks? That, it lists for 70 I mm-hmm. sell it right now for 50 uh-huh. for the holiday season. Oh, and you great. get it from my website, uh, Robert Corrick, no space, and it's K-O-U-R-I-K, so robertcorrick.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you order by the 10th of December, I can pretty much guarantee you'll get it in time. Oh. I use medium mail. See, medium mail is a lot slower than regular mail, but it costs less. 
So it might take 10 days to get to you uh, from California on the East Coast. But uh, say December 10th and you're safe. So uh, so if they want to get it by Christmas, uh, the next few days, go ahead and get this puppy, huh? Yes. And that's the only yes. way to get the good price, though, is through your website, correct? Yes. Cheaper than Amazon. So, uh, <laughs> what does Amazon sell it for? Well, $53 and some odd cents, but you have to pay shipping on top of that. I see. So the $50 covers tax and shipping. Oh, good for so you. So it's just $50 even. So this baby's going to cover a lot. I mean, with 450 pa- 86 pages, it's going to cover a lot of, of questions and, and ideas for people, no matter where they live, huh? Yeah, there's uh, also 450 illustrations in the book. Wow. And uh, many are in color. A lot of them are photographs. And like one of section is a detailed section on my approach to edible landscape design with photographs, extensive number of photographs of a design I did for a winery up here in, in wine country. It's an area that is equivalent to a small backyard garden. In other mm-hmm. words, it's not a massive acreage. It's an area f- of food reduction, about an area of 20 by 60, mm-hmm. uh, with f- uh, seven raised beds and fruit trees. Oh, wow, that's great. Robert, stay right there. We're going to do a little break and sell some sulfur here, one of our favorite things. Uh, hang out, uh, please. Robert Cork, okay. we'll be right back. This conversation took place six years ago with the brilliant Dr. Patrick Flanagan. Is there any trick to remembering uh, dream experiences? And we've had so many people that are remembering more and more vivid dreams after being on the organic sulfur. Yeah. That's why, why, what is going on there? Well, the first, first thing that happens with the organic sulfur is that when your body gets cleansed uh, to a certain point, you start dreaming in full technicolor. Most people don't dream in color. They dream in black and white and, um, if, if, and don't remember their dreams at all. And the organic sulfur starts cleansing uh, the brain and the pineal gland starts operating. And suddenly, uh, the first thing people uh, do is they have these vivid dreams in color. Well, that's just one of the benefits with our organic sulfur. It's totally pure. Very few are out there that are pure as ours is. You can click an order anytime, oneradionetwork.com. If you'd like more than four pounds, email me for a 10% or maybe more discount, depending. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com, and thanks for your support. And you've probably heard our conversations of past over the years with uh, Stephanie Steniff, uh, MIT, and the whole GMO, glyphosate, sulfur cycle, uh, so it's kind of hard to, to keep away from these Jamos. We call them the Jamos around here. It's kind of tough if you eat out at all. Who knows? So I think it's a good thing uh, to have extra sulfur in your so much only only so much broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. I guess you can eat anyway. Um, but it's a good product, and I think you'll like it, and it will help to detoxify stuff out of your body ongoing and bring. It's just. I think people people really like it. Speaking of things that people like, we have uh, um, been promoting this uh, Pearl Sam product. Uh, this lady, a ruling shoe, is really quite something. She's a um, quantum physicist, 
uh, from China. She knew her whole life. She wanted to do a product with pearl, if you can imagine that, her whole life. And this is real pearl uh, from um, real pearls, from real oysters. I think they, they, they let the oysters watch sad movies and they cry and that's how they make the pearls. I just made that up, but, but really, it's, pearl, it's oyster tears. So these are real pearls. And she uh, calculated away with her incredible uh, quantum physicist mind how to, um, um, let's use the right word, kind of deconstruct these, this pearl product into a powder without destroying the cellular matrix and the magic of it. And you can use this powder to do a lot of things. One, the biggest thing is to brush your teeth. I've been using this for two years. My teeth have never looked better. It gives them a pearly look. Uh, not white, you know, not like Hollywood white, but a more, more pearl. Um, it's mainly uh, calcium, but there's some target proteins in there and other minerals, and then you can take it internally. And this is a, a we don't recommend taking calcium cap tablets, haven't for years. But this is actually a supplement that is high in calcium that you could take that will put it in your bones where you want it. Uh, and it's not going to put it in your arteries. It's a pretty amazing. Uh, they have a, I think we have about another week of, of uh, 25 or 35 percent. Is it 35 percent? I should know. It's been going on for three weeks. But go on there and use promo code THANKSGIVING. Promo code THANKSGIVING. Order today uh, between now and the 15th and you're going to get a huge discount. I believe it's 35% or 25%, something. Anyway, but you're going to get it. I would order two or three. I order three of these at a time. I keep one in my uh, bathroom, one on the kitchen sink, and then one in the bathroom up here. If I want to brush my teeth, kind of spruce them up before I go on the air or something like that. Very magical. It's a wonderful product. Pearl Sim on OneRadioNetwork.com. Uh, a great uh, discount going on right now using promo code THANKSGIVING right now on One Radio Network. Know the Source on One Radio Network. We're talking with a fellow who's a real gardener. I mean, he doesn't fool around. He's got about 19 books. He's been at it for a very long time. Started landscaping in 74, organic landscaping, before we even knew the term organic. When did you start even hearing the term organic? Do you remember... I, I don't recall. I, you know, I don't remember when I first heard the word organic. Well, we had a guy out here named John Jevons who learned from a guy at UC Santa Cruz Garden uh, called, uh, who developed the concept what's called French-intensive biodynamic gardening. And it's very deeply cultivated soil down to 18, 24 inches with a lot of compost added. So you have what's called a raised bed in the sense of a mound of soil. Um, what they found is by planting intensively, the yields were phenomenal. Wow. So that started in about uh, 68. Uh, I heard about it around 70, 72 and started doing French intensive biodynamic in the backyard of my house uh, for myself. And then a friend of mine ran a city park, and he was a doctor for our medical uh, business up here, Kaiser Permanente. Uh -huh. And he said, oh, I need to have somebody take care of my lawn and my garden. So I started in 74 taking care of lawns 
in the old-fashioned way and then slowly developing it but he had doctor friends and they would talk over lunch and then the doctor friends would talk to their lawyers to where i had only doctors and lawyers as my clients so i had an inflation proof draw uh, <laughs> uh, 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 clientele oh that's great i moved to austin in i think 83 to go to work for a radio station robert and there was whole foods you know that was my first experience with with a natural food store you know it was the first one yeah. Well, I went to school for one semester in Southern, Meth- Southern Methodist University in Dallas, and then we would take trips to Austin. So uh, I know a little bit about Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this idea of planting things really close together, so the plants like being next to each other and having fun and holding hands? They, yeah. They kind of well, like it? Yeah, you've got to make sure, sure your soil is up to snuff, in uh-huh. other words. If you have a heavy clay uh, and you put too many roots there, they'll start to wither from too much competition. Um, once you get the soil uh, nice and fertile and loose, it's very easy to do the intensive approach. But I prefer now, the French intensive biodynamic requires digging uh, the soil with a spading fork uh, 12, 18, 24 inches deep and that's pretty hard on the back so i no longer do it because i don't have the back for it anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's for young people uh, but you can spread things out a little bit further and you don't have to damage your back and you can use the same concept of how to kill a lawn by putting cardboard down mm-hmm. by layering lots of different things all the stuff that you would put in the compost pile you could layer 6 12 18 inches deep with layers of cardboard at the top to keep any weeds from sprouting and then all that compostable material starts to disintegrate and uh, turn into very good soil so you don't have to make a compost pile you don't have to dig deeply you can do what uh, a lot of people call lasagna gardening because you're layering everything Uh, we are live here this afternoon december 7 2021 if you have a question, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Here is one from Sylvia. Years ago, Patrick had a gentleman on that he was up in the Northwest. Oh, I know who she's talking about. Let's see if his name is going to come into my consciousness. Paul Gauchi. And he would use all these um, wood chips, you know, all over. He would just pour these wood chips. And I and, I, and she says, I want to ask you guess if, if he thinks this is a good idea. Paul Gauchi. Have you heard of him? I don't know him, but there's a woman named Linda Chalker Scott, Hmm. who's the queen of wood chips. But Uh the difference is you have to get them from an arbor truck uh, where they've been shredded up with leaves. You can't get the benefit by using just woody chips. It has to have the leaf matter from the trees mixed in with it. And it's just great. Four, six, eight inches deep over areas, fruit wow. trees, regular trees. Uh, you can grow it, the uh, mulching area for a number of years um, and then pull it back and grow vegetables there. And so I really uh, support the idea of arbor chips is what we call them. So, so you'd have to get a company that they're, when they take down a tree, yeah, Roberts are taking all the leaves and everything and churning them up, right? Not just... The, yeah, and, yeah. And, and they'll give it to you for free because they don't have to pay to take it to the dump. In uh-huh. our area, uh, they have to pay to, 
to get rid of it. So I say, okay, I want a truckload. They come and they deliver five, 10 cubic yards of, of wood chips. I get a lot of mileage out of that. Wow. And how deep do you put it? Well, I prefer to, with wood chips around mm-hmm. six inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, regular mulch, when you're using the vegetable garden, anything above four inches, you're kind of wasting your material and time. Uh, but with wood chips, six inches will really suppress an awful lot of weed. Yeah. So then when it rains, I'm just kind of theorizing, then the different minerals or nutrients from the wood and the leaves go down in there? And yes. th- that's good, huh? And the, <laughs> At the interface between the arbor mulch and the soil, you get a huge micro uh, micro population that begins to digest the wood and the leaves like they would a compost pile. And if the, when they do that, the soil structure improves and water can drain better and nutrients are released better. Well, wow, that sounds fun, huh? Yeah. Do you still, you still have a garden where you live and have your own things? I have a bit of a garden. I moved. My ambitious garden was in Occidental. I moved to the city of Santa Rosa to the suburbs. Oh. Um, and uh, we had the fire burn within six feet of our house. Wow. The last big fire. It burned to the ground six, eight houses in our neighborhood. Uh, we were lucky. It, somebody was here fighting it. And the fence was on fire burning directly to the house. And somebody knocked down the fence so it couldn't keep burning amazing but other grasses uh, up to six feet of the house got burned so we lost a big chunk of the garden amazing we're talking with robert cork i'll show you his book here sustainable food gardens uh this is the 19th book you can go to robertcork.com and get the book now uh for a great price 50 bucks it's 450 something pages a lot of uh, um photos as well most uh, many in color and if you order, he says, in the next two or three days, probably get it to you before uh, Christmas time and give it as a gift. That'd be a nice gift for people, right? Man. Yeah. Oh. I've, I've had people buy multiple copies and give it yeah. to friends. Yeah. So I'm happy when that happens. Yeah, it is. It's been a fun life for you, huh? What What is your, uh, uh, your future look like? What do you want to do when you grow up? well i i like to say that i've been gardening uh, at the school of hard knocks but the problem is you can never graduate from the school of hard Knocks. yeah there's more yeah so i'm i'm spending less time gardening per se uh and writing more and more um so i started out being the landscape maintenance then i started designing landscapes and then i started i developed the edible landscaping approach and then I wrote a book. But for 20 years, I made most of my money doing gardening and 10, 20, 30% of my income from books. Now it's getting to be when a book comes out, I can get a good amount of money at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, work with uh, in, in um, injecting or whatever the word is, installing or introducing, that's a better word, uh, beneficial insects to make everybody get along did you do that great i'm glad you brought that up yeah that's one of the most important chapters in my book really wow um and it there's a concept called companion planting mm-hmm. and a lot of people think oh you put basil next to tomatoes it makes they're happier sure. or you put li- lemons next to rutabagas and they're happier but there's no science behind it except i've 
research now for over 20 years, and I find controlled studies done by scientists at universities that are what they call peer-reviewed papers. They're scientific papers developed by those researchers that are reviewed by a handful of other researchers to make sure it was done properly. So in the book, there are dozens of examples where beneficial insects uh, came to the plants and the plants grew well. And there's plenty of examples where the companion planting information didn't work. Really? So my favorite example is Rodale Press is famous for having their organic gardening magazine for decades. I remember, yeah. Well, they, one of the ideas about companion planting is that marigolds keep the bean beetle away from the foliage of the a bean. Well, Rodale Press did a study on their research farm, and they found that the plot, the plot with no marigolds had a lot of holes in the foliage. The plot with marigolds had much less holes in it. But which plot got the most beans? The one with no marigolds. You're kidding. You're really because marigolds have a chemical whose fancy name I can't remember, but uh -huh. marigolds make a chemical in their roots that's designed to stunt the growth of other plants around them. Hmm. So it's a competitive strategy for how they can promote themselves by having a chemical that actually is difficult for other roots to grow around. So that the plants with the most number of holes of the bean beetle still made more beans to eat than the companion planting. That's amazing. Uh, in general, when we really get the plants very strong, similar to our own bodies, does that keep uh, the other guys from trying to eat us up? Is that, yep. is that how yep. it works? So that because, um, well, I'll give you an example. It's a complicated yeah. example, but I'll go into it. Oh, yeah. uh, aphids don't really suck is what I say. <laughs> the aphids stick their mouth into the plant, and it's the sap pressure that pumps the sap into the aphid. And so the more sap pressure you have, the more aphid have. Um, and guess what improves sap pressure? Nitrogen. So if you add too much nitrogen to a plant, you can get more aphids because it's more sap pressure. The greater sap is easier for the aphids to deal with. Hmm. So uh, in my book, I talk about uh, if you get 12 inches of growth off of a new growth off of an apple tree, it's getting plenty of nitrogen without you doing anything. So if you see 12 inches of growth in the spring from an apple tree, it does not need compost. It does not need fertilizer. Are you an advocate of, uh, of getting uh, your soil tested to one of the, I know Texas got a nice little place for not a lot of money where you can, get the whole analysis of a soil. Do you like to yes. do that? I mentioned it in the, that's how you begin. Day one is you get your soil tested from a, no, a number of different spots in the garden mm -hmm. um, because soil can be quite variable from 50 feet away. But uh, in our area, it's about 30, 40 bucks for a soil test, mm -hmm. but it tells you what you have and what you need to add. Our soil testing company gives us the guidelines, okay, if you're short on this mineral, you need to add this many pounds of such and such hmm. to bring it up to snuff. Hmm. So we we get the advantage of, uh, it could be done by people through the mail, 
uh, Harmony Farm Supply in Sebastopol does the testing and it's one of the few places I know where they tell you, okay, add this many pounds of blood meal oh. or add this many pounds of uh, manure. Depending on the size of the garden, Robert, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it says uh, this many pounds per 100 square feet is the guideline. I see. So you have to just calculate based on how big your garden is. But very few university or cooperative extension soil tests tell you how much stuff to put on ah. to correct the problem. Now, the one that you then recommend is, is called Harmony Farms? Harmony Farms? Supply, Harmony Farm, Farm Supply. Supply. We'll do a soil sample through the mail. Uh, they're located, um, I think their mailing address is Sebastopol, California, 95472. Hmm. Uh, they they might be using their great G-R-A-T-O-N uh, mailbox, but I don't know the box number on that. Well, folks can but look them it'll up, It'll get right? to them. Yeah, yeah, folks can yeah look they up. can Google them. Yeah. And what do they charge? I think it's around 30, 40 bucks for yeah. the, about six, eight uh, ingredients, including organic matter. How much organic matter do you have in the soil? And it'll tell you, okay, you need to add this much compost to bring up the co- the organic matter content. Yeah. And what is it? Can you uh, plug some general sources for folks to go online and buy the different ingredients to, uh, you know, build up the soil per, you know, a test? Well, some good places? I first recommend, I first recommend drip irrigation. And the best source for that is called Dripworks. Dripworks. All one word. Mm-hmm. Dripworks. And they're uh, up in Willits, California, and they carry this all the tubing that I like to use and all the parts you need uh, to do a drip system from the faucet or even from a water tank. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as mi- minerals like uh, uh, blood meal, bone meal, uh, things like that, colloidal phosphate, I don't remember. I don't recommend uh, getting them through the mail unless you can't find a source near you. Okay. Uh, but I also want to talk a little bit about something that's called colloidal phosphate. It's a, a material that's grown, I mean, harvested, so to speak, from mines, surface mines in Florida. Mm. They use a tremendous amount of fresh water to process it. And fresh water is very limited in Florida. And what they're left with is tailings that are radioactive. Whoa. So they're so radioactive they used to mine it for uranium when the uranium costs more than it does now. Mm-hmm. So when you buy colloidal phosphate in California, only 10% of the material is the mineral that you want to improve the phosphorus. The rest is just bulk clay. But you're supporting an industry that makes radioactive tailings in people's backyards in Florida. So I don't consider that organic. Yeah. You can grow plants to make your phosphorus, and you can buy a little bit of seed of buckwheat, grow it four inches tall, dig it in, plant some more buckwheat, grow it four inches tall, dig it in, and that has a high proportion of phosphorus in the foliage, and you won't have to support the industry in Florida that's radioactive. Oh. So there's a lot of tricks in your book that people can even really refine the whole idea of organic i'm hearing you say yes yeah yes that's like cool yeah. A, a common source of nitrogen is blood meal mm-hmm. 
Well, I research blood meal. It takes a tremendous amount of energy to dry the stuff. Uh, they have to get stuff up to like six, 700 degrees. They got to do this. They got to do that. And I outline it in the book, but so I don't recommend blood meal for the sake of a tremendous amount of energy, uh, local supply of chicken manure that's, that you compost is a much better deal. Hmm. Hmm. What about the seeds uh, before we go? Um, can I assume then you, you want to work with organic heirloom seeds? The best? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, that doesn't have to be heirloom seeds yeah. only, but it, it has to be GMO free. Well, if um, uh, if you go to Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, Baker Creek, uh, you'll f- you'll find fifteen hundred varieties of food and flowers, all grown without GMOs. Wow! Now they're not all grown organically. But they're grown with no GMOs. Hmm. Um, but you got to keep in mind what's fascinating about heirloom plants. Some of those plants, there's a very good reason why they don't exist very much anymore because they don't like certain. I mean, certain pests attack them, or certain diseases attack them. It's like there there are types of tomatoes that are heirlooms that get far more damage from what's called fusarium wilt yeah. than a hybrid tomato seed from a more modern seed. Now you can have hybrid seeds of tomatoes that are not GMO. So that's good, but they will be more disease resistant than a lot of heirlooms. Yeah. So it's a myth that all heirlooms are all good. I see. Uh, this may be a little off subject, and if it's not part of your uh, pay grade, uh, just don't 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 concern. But okay. do you, do you think that that the the issue with gluten free after all these years has been the hybridization of wheat? Do you have an opinion on that? Oh, I I don't know. I don't yeah. have enough experience on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I I know that wheat has a massive root system of small, tiny roots. It's really great for improving soil. Uh-huh, yeah. But the, as far as the gluten, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. good friend of mine, uh, her children were gluten-free. She lives in Italy, and she's a baker, and she really wanted to. And so she, she started researching... And she came up with this uh, ancient wheat called einkorn, einkorn, E-I-N-K-O-R-N. Oh. Yeah, and she, she actually got farmers to grow it, and she built the whole company around it. And people seem to do fine with it who are gluten-free, you know. It's pretty interesting. I I don't know exactly why folks have issues as well. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the human body. Yeah. Well, I'd like to mention uh, the, the vegan gardens in England. There's a big movement in England where they have vegan gardens where they buy no manure, no blood meal, no bone meal, Whoa. no chicken manure. They grow everything themselves. They make all the nutrition for the garden from compost and growing crops improve the soil. No kidding. So there's folks that are really into the whole vacant philosophy yes, and that I that's have, what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, and I have an example from about what they do in the back of my book in the appendix. I talk about vegan uh, gardening and give you sources of where you can get books on the topic. Mm-hmm. In general, if you're using your common or whatever, are there issues with uh, them eating, I don't know, GMO, alfalfa, uh, and stuff like that? Do we know? It Does it... Can it go back and get land up in our tomatoes? Well, I'll give you an example with horse manure. Uh-huh. 
Uh, horses are usually treated with a dewormer, yeah. uh, a, a chemical to keep them from having parasite worms. Every gardener I know now that's used a lot of horse manure has no earthworms. Really? Like my friend, my friend Alvin Bishop has been using horse manure uh, compost for decades, and he doesn't have worms. I used it for my ornamental landscape of deer resistant, drought resistant plants. And uh, I don't have in my old garden in Occidental no worms. A friend of mine had plenty of worms, got a load of horse manure and uh, the worms went away. Now I've researched the main, most common um, dewormer they use, and they say that it's gone in six months. But if you're using it every month, every year, I think it's a problem. Yeah, was it, they use a lot of ivermectin for horses, don't they? That's the whole thing that people are doing this alleged- I don't know the name. I'm yeah. sorry, I don't know the name That's of it. Right. It's in my book. <laughs> it isn't interesting. So, isn't that that is good information that these things could come all the way down the the food chain and keep worms exactly. out of there? And worms are good, right? I mean, they're good to have. You bet. Yeah, they're one of the greatest things to improve soil. Yeah. And so, do you ever uh, do you recommend folks go out and buy some worms? Can you actually go online and get a bunch of worms in the mail? No, you, you can't buy the worms that live in the soil. They're a different worm uh-huh. than the ones you buy and make a worm bin. Yeah. So a worm bin is sort of like a compost pile. But those worms, if you put them out in the soil, they die. So you're using those worms to make worm poop. Yeah. And you use that as fertilizer. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, some really interesting things with the food chain and the food supply now that people are really beginning to think about becoming more independent, right, Robert, and more sustainable. Yes. It's got to be a the, big, pretty big uh, movement. Do you feel it? Yeah, the pandemonium, so to speak, <laughs> yeah, of whatever. the virus, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is, uh, has really increased. I mean, the the availability of seeds for vegetable gardens went through the roof. I mean, it went down. Wow, there was a an interest in the seed that went through the roof, and you sometimes had to wait six, eight months or a year to get certain vegetable seed varieties no kidding so one of the drawbacks to that catalog of 1500 varieties of plants is that they're not all a sufficient supply mm-hmm. to support the demand yeah. um so it's it's really people realize okay i need to get independent yeah yeah and do you keep seeds uh fridge in the refrigerator or frozen how do you keep them uh you can keep them in the refrigerator um some of them last longer by being refrigerated but like tomato seeds i forget it's five ten years okay uh you could run a tomato plant through the sewage treatment facility here and you'll get seedlings of tomatoes in your garden so they are very sturdy they survive a lot of abuse yeah so before we go what are some of the easiest things to grow and the most difficult things to grow, the easiest thing to grow. I mean, when you really want to just be, and one of your books is called Lazy Ass Gardener. I like that title. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Right. But the easiest well, things the to plants, grow. One of the plants uh, we like to grow, it grows through the winter in mild climates. It has to be only grown in the spring in climates that are too cold. It's called fava beans. Fava. Huh? And fava be- yeah, fava beans make a great, dried bean but they fix nitrogen so that around the roots there's little nodules 
of a concentrated nitrogen and, and that improves the soil you can eat all the f- young foliage in your salad hmm. and then you can eat the green beans in the spring where you process them and steam them or you can leave the plant and let it get mature and have brown uh cooking beans that's kind so of that's fun. what i call multiple multiple purpose the way you make your garden better faster is to use those plants that have multiple purposes that's great they used to gosh i brought back memories they used to serve fava beans at italian weddings you know i don't know they would cook them you know and then they dry them or something then they put salt on them and they were great as kids we used to yeah eat a lot of fava beans a lot of protein i guess in those guys oh yeah i get a product called from uh, i think it's called baba boom boom <laughs> and they, they have about eight or varieties of flavors of fava beans and Probably. i like eating them a lot yeah yeah uh, any secrets for keeping when i had tomatoes boy if it got dry here the birds would just eat them i mean they would just peck them and you know the only yeah. way you can do with that is put netting on it, I guess, and cover this guys up. Yeah, it's just netting. Yeah. We had a tremendous problem with rats one year, and there's nothing you can do with oh. rats except trap them. Wow. Uh, well, they ate, you know, you see a nice huge uh, tomato, six inches or four inches in <laughs> diameter, right. and the whole backside was eaten. Wow. Um, so it's a big problem in cities and areas where you have a sloppy compost piles, they can live in there. Um but trapping is the only way to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, whereas the birds, yeah, you can net, and that takes care of it. Yeah. We have a lot of uh, great farmers markets around here. Are there plenty where you are to go and visit? Oh yeah, yeah. we have a lot of uh, at least four in our camp, and go all year round because of the climate. Uh, but in lazy ass gardening, I say. And, many of the vegetables don't grow them just go to the farmer's market exactly let the farmers deal with all the pests and diseases and you get the tomatoes that are fantastic without suffering like i like to think that a lot of tomatoes in home gardens cost five bucks each or a hundred bucks each (laughs) because it takes so much effort to grow a tomato that's really high quality that you can go to the farmer's market and save a lot of money and get a good ripe tomato. Yeah, that's that's what I ended up doing. I just got, after a while, with all the water usage, Robert, I said, man, I'm just yeah. going to go to the farmer's market because, you know, uh, it's they're great and I like supporting these people. I don't know how they make a living, though. I mean, it's not easy it's work. It's tough. It's not, yeah, it's not, yep. yeah. But we have a lot of organic farmers. So when we have a farmer's market, over half the people at least are organic certified organic yeah. which is important yeah yeah well it's fun talking to you let me put up the slide again and tell folks how they can go to your website is robertcork.com and you can get his book uh, a really nice deal 50 bucks and if you order in the next few days it's december 7 now you can robert said probably up until the 10th he could get it to you by christmas right robert maybe about christmas yeah yeah and yeah and then even if you miss, you know, and you get a little bit late, if you're watching this video on the 12th or 13th, go ahead and order anyway, and it'll yeah, get there yeah. during, you know, the, during the holidays somewhere, you know. Right, and the the sale is till January 1st. Okay, oh, good. I'm glad you mentioned that. So the sale is, Jan- and the, do they need a code or anything? And that's just 50 bucks on no, your website? No, no, it'll just, yeah, on yeah. the website, cool. yeah. Well, it's Nothing an honor fancy. to talk to you, uh, Real Gardener. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you Thanks, for coming Patrick. on the show. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Thank you. Patrick. Bye bye. Robert, ya. see you soon. Robert Cork, uh, OneRadioNetwork.com. 
and his book is uh, man it's cool huh so get on there and give one for Christmas why not do that yeah 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 and uh, we'll put all of the information up on uh, the show pages and so you can uh, rock and roll and get it done it's fun talking you get really inspired don't you when you when you talk to well, I guess when you talk to gardeners like that, you say, man, I gotta do that. I wanna get some of that stuff. Yeah, be a great Christmas gift. Uh, why isn't this working? Oh, there it is. Well, um, I think we're just gonna take a break here. Hope you had a, a nice day with us uh, earlier. Uh, <laughs> Ernest Hancock, boy, he was a, if you haven't heard that, if you didn't hear the show this morning, uh, we'll be streaming it this afternoon here on a, a Tuesday afternoon he's quite a patriot and a libertarian and I think you'll love him he's out of control and then Robert Cork and so we'll see you tomorrow we're going to do a whole thing with uh, a gentleman who is on Nixon's believe it or not um, defense team and he's got some stories about uh, the way this thing all went down that wasn't exactly like uh, uh, we, we were told uh, you know surprise surprise I love the, the political history so we're going to talk to him, and that'll be tomorrow at 10 o'clock. We may have somebody else. Uh, you never know, but uh, we'll do that. So I love you all very much. Thank you. We still have some uh, sales, I think, going on with um, maybe just um, two things, I guess. Pearlsium, use promo code THANKSGIVING, and then Andreas Seed Oils. These are just amazing oils. Uh, check them out. Uh, Andreas Seed Oils, I had the picture here. I can show you. Well, I won't. Don't worry about it. But uh, no promo code needed. And I think there's some big sales still going on with Andreas seed oils. And you can get things like uh, black cumin seed and um, pumpkin seed oil, sesame seed oil, um, uh, milk thistle for your Mr. Liver. Yeah, mm, yeah, mm, yeah. Uh, some really nice oils. Uh, and coriander. Um, some really cool oils on Andreas seed oils on the front page of One Radio Network. So I love you all very much. Thank you. May the blessings be. Let me know if I can help with anything. Uh, join our Telegram group. The link is up on the top of the front page of One Radio Network. And also uh, go on BitChute, see our videos, sign up, or subscribe, and click the little bell thing, and you'll let you'll be alerted every time we put up a new video. And we try to keep up with them. I think we're pretty much caught up. So it's pretty cool. So I love you. See you in the morning. Take care of yourself. May the blessings be. Take care. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.